Hey, Craig. Indulge yourself. Read only what you need from them. Recruiting rankings are the only thing we have to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's about it right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, usually this time of year, that'd be the only thing we have to talk about, honestly. That's true. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, this is Podcast Versus Everyone. I'm Craig Powers. Uh, With me, as always, is Jeff Neusser. Um, Yeah, we don't um, have a ton to talk about this week. Uh, I mean, we could be talking about how baseball was getting ready to go, you know, make their run to the College World Series, but... Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, Missed out on that one. We'd still be basking in the um, NCAA championship um, from Kyle Smith's squad. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Although, have you seen the the pictures for the Back to Omaha project? Yeah. The baseball Twitter account keeps posting them. You know, I I presume to uh, you know keep up interest with recruits or whatever, but yeah, that thing's large, man. Yeah, that is impressive. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, hopefully, it works. Yeah. Um, well, I think it, we've talked about this, right? I mean, like with baseball, you know, UW was and you know was traditionally behind us in baseball over the years, and then. Um, you know, basically there, there was a, there essentially was a line in the sand. Like they built their new facility and all of a sudden all the in-state kids we were hauling in all of a sudden were were going to Washington instead. So, um, this should level the playing field a little bit. Same thing with, uh, you know, Oregon state, same deal. Uh, really, you know, facilities. Um, I don't know that facilities are everything, but I know that, um, WSU's facilities in particular put it at a pretty significant disadvantage. So, so hopefully that'll, uh, that'll level the playing field a little bit. And it seems like Brian Green's got a lot of, got a lot of energy for recruiting. So it's off to a pretty good start. Yeah. And, and facilities are especially important for a, a, a winter baseball team like we are, uh, where the winter is still happening. Um, so just have someplace nice for the players to hang out and hit yeah. balls off the tee. Um, right now that's the field house, which yep. is the field house. So, yep. um, yeah. So I yeah. mean, not only is it not a great facility, it's also far from the baseball field and you know, yep. all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Th- there's a lot of th- those, uh, you could, you could hear the migrating of the baseball players from one spot to the other. The, yep. at WSU, the ching, ching, ching of the cleats on the, on the side. Oh yeah. Uh, they would just, you know, all the way over from you know, basically bowler, you know, to the, to the baseball field. And, and, you know, they're also, this was the thing. It wasn't even just that they had to walk over with, you know, their glove or whatever. They had to like carry their entire bag of, yep. you know, like all their poor, gear, you know, their, poor their cleats, their three gloves, their five bats their you know, it's uh yeah. Yeah. It was, it was bad, man. And, and, you know, you got the sense that probably other schools were using it against them. So. Yeah, oh, for sure. it's uh, no longer. No longer. We're back, yeah, should, baby. Should be ready by the time we play baseball again. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, they put even, I think they even put up a new, uh, put up a new video too. Or maybe now that's about a week old. But anyway, yeah, super cool, man. Anyway. Yeah, well, we. How uh, you doing? I'm, I'm good. Uh, you know, just getting through uh, all this nonsense. Um, we've, uh, given up on potty training the daughter for now because she just <laughs> won't do it. Um, 
she uh, the you but, know the smart ones have the the smart ones always know that oh I'm in control of this. Well, the funny thing is, we thought that, but she had gotten such such so used to holding it until she got her diaper on when she went to bed or nap. Uh, after dinner, we just decided, to, okay, we're giving up, and so we put a diaper on her, and she still wouldn't go in it, and she kept complaining that she had to go potty, but she wouldn't. But that's it's every night around seven thirty, which is about an hour before she has to go to bed. She starts complaining that she needs to go to the bathroom because she has to pee, and this doesn't go because she just won't do it. She'll go to the bathroom and sit on it and then freak out and get mad and whatever. But uh, <laughs> so she she still was doing all that, and we're like, "You have a diaper on," and she's just wouldn't. Her diaper was dry as a bone. Oh, um, no. I'm sure as soon as uh, Amanda put her down, she started peeing. I'm I'm sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was just working against us cause she was just holding it and like, we oh, didn't want no. her to hurt herself. So we just had to well, give yeah. up. Yeah. Like, you don't, you don't need an infection or something right now. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that's, that's always fun. I, I'm pretty excited not to have to do that anymore. At least now I'd rather just change the goddamn diapers, uh, yeah. instead of, uh, deal with like a, just the kid running around with no pants on all day. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, not... good job, Craig. You gave the kid anxiety about going to the bathroom. Yeah, I know. It's great parenting right there. I know. Jerks. <laughs> uh, every parent has stories about stuff like that. Like, it's just like, you know, and especially with your first one, you know, you're like, you're so committed to trying to do everything right. And, uh, and you just, you know, you stress out about, should I do this? Should I do that? And, and uh, well, you always part... end up with those stories where you think you're doing the, doing it right. And, and just, you know. Kids do what they do, man. The worst part, too, is it's like you wouldn't think it would impact your sleep, but it does because she holds it all day. And so oh, she yeah. poops in the middle of the night and then she wakes up crying because she wants her diaper changed because she's completely filled it because she's been holding it all day. Right. And you have to get up and like it's just a disaster. Like you have to change your clothes. Like it's yep. like it's it's so we've just been we said, screw it. She's not doing it. We tried for a month and it just didn't work. And so she can have her freaking diaper back and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can just, uh, <laughs> like alleviate some stress, but yeah. So, um, bad news and good news. Uh, but yeah. How about, how are you doing, man? Well, you know, I'm hanging in there actually, uh, you know, after I, I think, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I was like talking about teaching from home is, is actually really, really hard. Um, you know, you spend a lot of years as a teacher basically getting to a point where you don't have to recreate the wheel every year, you know, you refine your materials and your instruction and, you know, like, you know, the second or third or fourth time that you do, uh, you know, a unit or something, you really kind of feel like you got it. You know what you're trying to do, you know, how to, how to teach it, the materials you want to use, you know, you kind of tweak everything to get it where you want it. This is like, man, you got to adapt everything for an online environment. Like it's not a, um, it's it's not a one to one switch. Like you can't just like, oh, I've got this stuff. Let me just put it online and that's that'll be fine. Like it's not that at all. Like kids need so much more support than that. Um so I find myself converting a lot of stuff, recording audio files of myself talking. Um, you know, like my sophomores are reading Antigone, I'm recording myself reading it to them and like taking little timeouts and explaining what's going on. So, you know, hoping that stuff helps. So it's actually a lot of work, but um, I think I've Who just records kinda... themselves talking. 
expecting yeah. other people to listen. What a, what a silly endeavor. <laughs> it's like, it's basically like hosting a podcast by myself, which, <laughs> you know. Some, some people do. <laughs> some people do that uh, with no guests ever whatsoever. But um, yeah, so I kind of feel like I'm getting to a point now where some things are settling in a little bit. I'm getting a little bit of a routine. I'm uh, working a little bit ahead now instead of behind. So like, my 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 stuff's already ready to go for tomorrow so i don't have to you know when i work on it tomorrow i'll work on you know friday's stuff like that all is uh that's all very useful for for a while there it was pretty stressful and um, i feel like we've gotten the kids in a little bit of a routine too i mean that's what's really hard like the kids you know again you know children don't um they're not real self-starters for the most part they're not real self-motivators so you have to help them and you know, like my, uh, my seventh grader, you know, really kind of struggles with math and needs a lot of hand holding. And it's like, okay, so if I'm holding his hand with math, I'm, I, I'm not doing my job. Right. So, um, it's, it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of hours of education. And, um, this is definitely harder on the whole than, uh, than actually going to work, but getting a little better, I think. And I got lots of reasons to smile. Got a lot of yard work done the last couple of days. So enjoying the sunshine a little bit. It stopped raining for couple of, oh, it rained a little bit last night but well I've, actually I've been pretty hard last night my I don't, i'm not much of a yard work person but i have been updating my inventory in my cellar which takes many yes hours you have do. um so i've i've logged a lot of beers i still have quite a few more <laughs> do you do you want to say how much a lot is or do you want to just leave it out there for people to guess i'll, I'll let people guess because i'm not done yet so i don't have a i don't have a final <laughs> number uh, but it's uh, you. You you can uh, send a guess if you want to podcast versus everyone at gmail dot com. How um, many beers are in Craig's cellar? Yeah, that's the uh, guess. Not including like IPAs and pilsners and stuff in the fridge, of course. But uh, right, like just the just the the you know cellarable aging stuff. Yes, yes. So um, I'll I'll keep working on that over the course. I'm I'm hopefully done by the weekend um done logging beers uh especially now they don't have to focus on uh, potty training the child um and it should be interesting but um but yeah we i think everybody's doing stuff like that right like all this stuff that we have been putting off forever and it's like well well now i guess i have this dream of turning that little area into like a a place to hang out and drink the beers that are in the cellar that would be sweet Um, but right now it's just covered in boxes and random bottles and bags and whatever (laughs) Uh, that'd be so rad though like here's you know people come to your house and it's like here let's walk down to the beer cellar and like you walk down and it's like it's just like you know racks of beer and like that would be awesome well have you seen it before yeah, I've been down there with you. Well, you've seen the but I'm just, beer racks and shelves, yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying like and make it like a whole thing. I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, like yeah. a space where it's like like a whole like beer like it like a like a little beer drinking church. Oh, yeah, there. that's uh, that's what I have planned. I I have some uh some uh, you know, ta- aluminum signs and stuff to put up and Ooh. um all sorts of stickers and um uh, we were uh, talking about getting some, you know, cheap lawn furniture to put down there, and uh, yeah, whatever, whatever, and it should be fun. Um, whenever uh, yeah. we can have people over again, we can uh, hang out in the su- in the basement, especially in the summer yeah. because it's still 
like nice and cool down there in the summer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Should we uh, talk about? Uh, should we talk about WC? actual sports? Yeah, something WSU related. Um, yeah. I mean, drinking is WSU related, but uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, we talked last week about how uh, WSU had zero commitments for the 2021 football class. Well, sure enough. Well, they have now one uh, known commitment and one mystery commitment uh, to yeah. the 2021 class. Um, so the first commitment is a wide receiver, uh, Orion Peters, pretty cool name, um, rated as a three-star, a lo- I'd, I'd say kind of a lower three-star based on the rating, um, from California. Uh, so not from Washington, so we're still going to lose to the Huskies. Yeah, um, that's a bummer. Yeah, but... Not a big guy. Uh, seems like a slot receiver for sure. Um, yep. Maybe a re- maybe a returner type, five ten, one seventy. Um, but yeah, man, uh, I know that I haven't had a lot of time to look into him. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure you haven't either. Uh, but not too much. But yeah, um, offer list is, um, you know, there, there's some, you know, uh, we we were talking about in Slack if. if is this like a Wolfian recruit or whatever? But I mean, there, there aren't big sky offers on there. There's, you know, there's an Arizona state offer on there. Um, some mountain West, uh, you know, kind of group of five offers on there. Um, you know, there's, there's reported Virginia, Virginia tech offer and, uh, uh, reported, um, Kansas offer. You know, you always wonder where these are reported from. Um, uh, and, and if, you know, the offer was, uh, something that, uh, was set in stone or whatever, but, you know, he's, he's got offers at least, and it's not, you know, he doesn't have the, you know, the big, the big number, but Hey, WSU has a recruit now and it's at a position where they're always going to need people. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's a good start. You know, you don't, uh, it's always good to get the first one in the bag and, um, you know, it'd be great if it was a big splashy recruit, but, um, yeah, well, yeah I think we're, we're used to, um, under in the leech era, the first recruit always was almost always, always a quarterback. Like, was a quarterback. Yeah. And so it was always like your big prize was right. like the guy right up, right up the start. Yeah. Right. And I, and they're, they are hot on the heels of a quarterback and like a good podcaster right now, I drawing a blank on the kid's name, but, um, I know that he, uh, the guy they're targeting, um, was supposed to commit earlier this week and then decided to push it back and, and said that he wanted to, wanted to come up to Wazoo and see Wazoo. So, um, so that was great. I know that that's, that's sort of the guy they want, but, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's always good to get that first one in the bag. Hopefully that gets some momentum rolling. You know, we talked last week about how, uh, this is, this is, you know, this whole situation is especially damaging to WSU because, um, you know, the real selling point as, you know, as we know, and we talked about last week is, you know, being on campus, right? Like, um, you know, you can't get a feel for what it's like to be there and, 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 you know, what's, what's attractive about choosing it unless you're actually on the campus. Um, you know, pictures don't do it justice. Uh, you know, videos don't do it justice. Uh, you, you kind of have to be there to get the whole vibe. And so, you know, it's, uh, 
it's a, it's a bummer that we kind of have to wait, but I, you know, I will say that in general, it seems like most schools are playing the waiting game right now. Um, yeah. it doesn't seem like there's a ton of commitments flying around for, for everybody <laughs> right now. Um, you know, the schools that typically have a high number of recruits this early in the cycle have them and, uh, the schools that don't, don't. And, you know, I think everybody's just sort of in a holding pattern at the moment. So, well, you know, the, the commitments that do happen are, uh, running backs from the south who apparently have the the uh the the ability to produce two and a half minute long hype videos of themselves um (laughs) to uh to to announce their commitment to clemson so um i can't remember the crew's name right but uh there was a five-star uh running back uh ever committed to clemson and he had this two and a half hour two and a two and a half minute video (laughs) on twitter it was a bit ridiculous but whatever man (laughs) it was it was totally ridiculous but also in its own weird way sort of awesome yeah i don't know so yeah (laughs) it's like i can't believe he made that but okay that's cool yeah, but yeah. So we got one crew. There was also uh, or so one one uh, interesting thing that I we could glean from this is uh, two four seven lists um, the primary recruiter as John Richardson, the cornerbacks coach. Um, he's from Compton, so it looks like maybe hit the L.A. area is his. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like that's his zone. So we can that's something we can know now is. <laughs> He he's the primary for uh, for that area, which is a very important area for WSU, obviously. <laughs> um, a significant number of leech recruits came from there, and a significant number of price recruits came from there. Yep. Um, for some reason, Wolf really liked uh, Sacramento and places like that. For some reason, but wasn't uh, he? F- from isn't Fresno Wolf from that Sacramento, area? Fresno. Wolf. Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah, so he was he was we had a lot of kids from uh, NorCal, uh, specifically like uh, Fresno and Sacramento and stuff. Yep. But I don't know if Fresno Fresno barely counts as NorCal. I think I guess they think everything north of LA is NorCal, but whatever. Um, it's more Central Valley, I'd say. But, but anyway, so yeah, so yeah, we know John Richardson's the guy. So if we have any successes from uh, Southern Cal, we, we can kind of gauge how good he is as a recruiter uh, based yeah. on that. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently we have someone commit. So the the thing that um, so apparently now every coach has to have a thing that yeah. they do to announce on Twitter that they've that they've gotten a commitment without saying we have gotten a commitment, right? And so Nick Rolovich's thing now is uh, tweeting out a GIF of the of the flag waving. Yeah. So that's the, that's the announcement that we're get that we got yeah, a guy. It's, it's the opener so, from game day. Right. Uh, yeah. And so there was a uh, there was a tweet with that right before Orion Peters uh, g- gave his commitment, and then I don't know a couple days later, right? There was there, later, yeah. there was another tweet with that. We went, "Hey, got another one!" and and we went looking, and and uh, yeah, I uh, I nobody can figure out who it is. Yeah, not even you know, not Coog fan, <laughs> not even Coog fan is Coog on. Fan doesn't it, know who it is, so. Um, if they don't, then uh, yeah, I, I I saw Jamie Vinnick tweet that um, he right when it happened, he's like, I have no idea. Usually, I have a good <laughs> idea, but I have no idea who this is. So, um, I thought that was funny. Um, I uh, it does make I'm me wonder actually, if maybe it's like a like a Samoan kid or something. 
Yeah. Know, someone just totally off the radar. But I, I will say, like, I wonder if he deletes the... I'm not seeing it now. Hmm. Really? Well, yeah, I'm not even seeing the one before. Um... Here, I'll actually hear it. Oh, here, no, I found Okay. No, he tweeted on May 5th, yeah. Yes, yeah, so there was one on May 5th. So, yeah. And, so and then he, there he, was one on May 1st, yeah. I'm looking at him. Yeah, so it's been... As we're recording, so was, it's been it's been a yesterday. day and it's been a day and a half yeah. since he tweeted that and like um, oh, pretty funny. Uh, I mean, not funny, but interesting. <laughs> I'm just looking at the tweet and like right, right in the um, uh, right in the comments, there's a kid who's uh, tweeting his highlights at Rolovich. Um, <laughs> and his, and it, his highlights and his his measurables. Um, uh, good shoot your shot kid yeah um, I'm absolutely uh yeah um hey if you want to be a kook that bad um if you're good come on come on out yeah uh, but yeah it's uh um yeah so uh i like the new announcement thing but it's yeah. really weird it's really weird to uh to have that and not like that's such a rare in this in this day and age as they say uh to to have a, a an announcement, like to have a, a a team announce a commitment, essentially, and then no one know who it is. Like so, yeah, yeah. That like is you said. normally when it's like that. It's um, you know that they don't like if a kid commits and nobody knows who they are. Like usually they just kind of keep it under wraps, right? But and usually kids are very eager to announce. So I don't know. I don't know. I do yeah, know this. Should... I know. I know Nick Rolovich needs to not start his tweet with at Old Crimson because then only people who follow at Old Crimson are going to see it. Yeah, that's why. That's why I couldn't find it in his feed. It just shows up in his replies. Yeah, um, tweets and replies. To, someone needs yeah. to give him that. Uh, we got to fix that, Coach. Yeah, someone's um, got to tell him. He just needs. Well, they. I, I remember Twitter at one point saying that they fixed that. But they didn't really. You still have they to put have the period. You have to put the period. Before you have to put the, the period there. Yep. 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 But all right. So apparently we have two recruits. We just don't know which one the second one is. And so calm down, everyone. Yeah. It, you know, are, I mean, it's what we were saying last week, right? Like, you know, if it maybe if we're going another, you know, month or two, and we don't have any, but like to not have any at this point is not. And we like, went like one day after we. Were, yeah, it was like, like, I think it was like the day we recorded the podcast. Yeah, was, you know, it was like I mean they, you know, they they you get a couple, and all of a sudden you went from, you know, oh my god, they don't have any to, oh well now they have the same as pretty much everybody else within like you yep. know four days. So. Yep. Nothing to be worried about, folks. Yeah. Things are good. Things are good. Yeah. Things are good. Everything is good. Don't look yeah. outside. Don't yeah. watch your TV. Don't mm-hmm. read the news. Don't, yeah, as long as you don't, don't do Twitter. that. Don't just read a book, a book from a long time ago. Yeah, and watch movies and TV shows. and. Yes. Yeah. Do you find when you're watching a TV show, like just if they make any reference to um anyone being sick or anything or if they're they're just even just seeing people around each other and you're just like this is so weird oh yeah like it's i I know it's it's, (laughs) every once in a while i sit down i think about like how um 
I just kind of try to think about how everything's going to be different now. And I don't know what's going to go back to something approximating what it was and what's going to be completely different. But I know some things are going to be completely different. <laughs> I just kind of like, you know, this is going to be one of those things in my lifetime that, you, you know, you just have a sense of, oh my God, this is like a thing that, you know, when I'm old and I mean, I'm already kind of old, but like when I'm really old and dying, you know, my grandkids, yeah, grandkids are going to be like, about. yeah, you know, the, the coronavirus, like, I, I, yeah, I mean, like right up there with, you know, 9-11 and uh, I don't know, when I was a kid, Challenger, that was a big one. Uh, the invasion of Iraq in 2003, watching like, you know, the bombs destroying Baghdad. That was that was kind of another one, too. I don't know. Is there another one up there for you? Uh, no, I mean, obviously the, the financial crisis and, and, uh, yeah. right, right when I was graduating from college. Uh, yeah. That one's tough. Bit. Cause it's not like it, what, there wasn't like a, yeah, one, it was such a slow burn into it, yeah. you know, but it wasn't I like mean, a it was, moment. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, that's what we have to talk about. And this is why we God, have that was to a talk downer. about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we can talk about basketball recruiting. Yeah. Maybe let's want to do that. Yeah, let's take a break. Maybe we'll talk about our beer. And we'll talk about yeah. basketball. Let's Maybe do we'll it. talk about Bart Torvik, all the beers, all the bees. Yeah. Um, I'm down for that. Okay. Everyone's like, who the hell is Bart Torvik? All right. Oh, let's, we're going to tell them. Yeah, let's, let's go to break. All right. And we're back. All right. Yeah. So, uh, Jeff, what are you drinking? So I went weird tonight. Um, I went to, uh, or I, I decided to support local on this one. So this is the Silver City Brewery uh, Irresistible Bliss Strawberry Vanilla IPA. Hmm. Yes, which is kind of what I was thinking. I was like, okay, well, you know, let's see what happens. And so uh, it says, like dessert in a pint glass, Irresistible Bliss is a deliciously dense and decadent hazy IPA that incorporates milk sugar for a sweet and fluffy texture, further enhanced by natural vanilla and strawberry essence. So what I can say is that as soon as I popped it open and poured it, it was like strawberry in my face. So much strawberry on the nose. And in fact, it's got like a little bit of a, of a pinkish tint to it. Um, but once I start drinking it, um, I don't know, not a ton of strawberry in the beer itself. That's um, probably good, honestly. Yeah. It, because I kind of thought like, you know, the, the bitter of the, of the beer with the, you know, the sweetness of a, of a strawberry or, you know, it just kind of, I was kind of curious how that was going to play out. But, um, so it's, it's pretty subtle. Um, maybe probably would like just a little more vanilla to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's. It's 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 okay. I probably wouldn't get it again. I probably wouldn't drink it again. But you know, for a one-off, like, hey, this is kind of weird, and um, do it. So you know, proud to support Silver City during these uh, during these difficult times, Craig. Proud to support hey. a local brewery. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. These uh, milkshake brewery beers, um, they seem to have they they. they 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 really hit their kind of peak i think a couple years ago um where you saw them everywhere and silver city is typically a brewery where they'll be a little bit behind the the trend and then they'll make something that's like mass marketable 
yeah um at the end uh because you know they, they make quite a lot of beer um but but yes yeah, so it's uh um I, I would say strawberry is one of the trickiest adjuncts to add to a beer um rarely like i i think that's why it says good that you couldn't taste it because usually when you can taste it even if even when they use real strawberries it always tastes artificial like yep. it's so so rare that strawberry beers are good um from i've had strawberry beers from like some of the best breweries and they're still not very good yeah, but yeah these milkshake beers are interesting yeah the milk sugar also known as lactose so um, if you're lactose intolerant, you should not drink these beers unless you want to poop your pants over. <laughs> I a would beer. not recommend that. Yeah, um, I, I, I will say that now that it's uh, you know like a lot of like a lot of beers now it's warming up a little bit. I am getting a little bit more of the of the strawberry vanilla combo. Yeah, basically right on the on the front of it, and then on the back end, kind of the bitterness kicks in. So, I mean, it's it's not an unpleasant beer i guess i would say like if that makes sense like it's not yeah. a beer where i'm like oh this just isn't working this is gross but it's also not something where i'm like oh this is great i totally can't wait to have this again it's like you know it's like all right cool i did it once all right yeah um it's uh yeah it's interesting i i, I haven't seen that style those milkshake beers as much recently it seemed like every brewery was making some variation but um because tired hands was leading the way on that from Pennsylvania, they were making these absurd. Like I had like a triple vanilla milkshake IPA once. It was like absurdly vanilla. It was so weird. Um, but then, yeah, they they, it's it's kind of this trend of uh, uh, beers that um, are very dessert heavy and are just very sweet. Um, yeah. it's interesting. You see the milkshake beers, and then you see it with stouts to pastry stouts, and so you um. You get these uh, beers that are like, if it says it's like a brownie beer, it tastes like brownie batter, and like it's yeah, um, it's it's been a, a, an interesting trend, and I think it's continued more with the stouts. I've seen it kind of fall off with the with the IPAs, not as not quite as much, um, but yeah, some of them are good, a lot of them are bad. Um, so if that one's okay, that's probably good. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's that's kind of how I feel. Like like it's like it's okay, and I you know, and I could see some people actually really really liking it like yeah that's, for sure so uh for my particular palate it's like okay it's something different and and i you know i dig doing something different once in a while so yeah i'm not a too much of a curmudgeon on styles and stuff like if people want to make weird weird stuff with their ipas and with their stouts like um more for more for people to drink like um i i like some of the sweet stouts i, I don't like some of the others i don't like some of the you know uh sweet ipas i don't some of the others it's funny um yeah but it, it is funny like these a lot like more and more beers are incorporating um lactose and milk sugar um it seems and and so uh if if you are lactose intolerant you gotta like look out for um if if, if a beer says milkshake or something like that um interesting note that um uh when uh, my friend Jeff was a brewer at other Jeff uh, was a brewer at um, three magnets. He's lactose intolerant. And so when they brewed their milkshake beers, they only put vanilla in it. They did not put um, milk sugar in there because uh, he himself would not be able to drink it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, he's got to watch out for that. It's kind of funny that even just that little bit of lactose uh, screws people up. Um, but yeah, so uh, way to branch out Jeff. Um, did you, uh, I assume you picked that up like a, 
Rainier Growlers or something? Or? It was at Costco. So oh, I grabbed really? one at Costco. Oh, okay. While I was doing my uh, my monthly sh- uh, shopping for my army of ch- my army of men, young men, small young men who eat everything. So nice. Yeah. What about yeah. you? What you got? Um, I uh, I went uh, with a, a light beer uh, today. Um, I know last week I went had a giant beer. Um, but, uh, this week I wanted to highlight a, a brewery that's, um, from, uh, the Yakima Valley, but it, they, their beers have been popping up more over here just because they have more beer to, to distribute and they've been canning for the first time. Like a lot of breweries have just obviously been resorting to things they haven't done before canning or, um, you know, shipping more beer out to other places cause they can't sell as much in their tap room and all that. Um, but this is a varietal uh, beer company um, out of Sunnyside. Um, Sunnyside, famous for uh, uh, Dairy Gold, uh, the the uh, large, um, like for the smell of the uh, cows. Uh, if you've ever driven through Sunnyside, you will uh, you will know you're driving through Sunnyside immediately. Indeed, um, it's, got, it's got a funk to it. Um, but uh, <laughs> varietal, honestly, is. Um, it's probably my uh, my favorite. Uh, obviously, I'm from the Yakima Valley, and I have family there still. And, and um, it's my favorite uh, brewery in the valley. I think their beer stacks up with uh, um, almost any. Like it, it's one of the top breweries probably in the in in the state, if not the Northwest. And um, they're just cranking out a bunch of different styles. They're very good at what they do. Um, I've had you know ranging from you know pilsners to or, you know, lagers to, to barrel-aged barley wines and sours and IPAs and uh, uh, Mexican lagers and and uh, all sorts of different things from them. And they just always seem to, or delicate saisons and things like that, they've, they've always always seemed to crush it. Um, but uh, what I'm having uh, tonight is, um, uh, it's called Il Festigiato. So it's, it's, uh, that is Italian, and I probably butchered that. Um, it's <laughs> how dare it means you? it means the birthday boy. So they brewed this for a friend of theirs. Um, uh, it is a f- big boy, a four and a half percent dry hopped lager. Um, they say take lager, it easy, Craig. Yeah, take it so, easy. But it, it's dry hop with a mosaic, and um, so I think they use the Italian. Um, name because uh, this is kind of like a Italian Pilsner is a, is a style that's on the rise. Uh, basically uh, what the Italians are doing is taking like traditional Pilsner recipes, but then like dry hopping them with new hop varieties, like the new European hop varieties and stuff. So like the more fruity uh, citrusy um, hop varieties. And so um, you're getting, you're starting to see like Italian lagers, Italian Pilsners uh, pop up. Um, and they've, it's quite tasty because you take, you get the dry hopping, which you typically see in IPAs. So you get like the aromatics of the beer or the hoppy aromatics. Um, but then you get this like nice, clean, um, easy drink and finish. And, uh, this one is very well done. Um, um, I, I kind of, ch- I was chugging through it and I, I slowed down, um, so I could, uh, have some while we were talking about it, but, uh, it's very tasty and, uh, it will not put me on my back and, uh, I could drink, <laughs> I could drink it all day. Um, and yeah, Those are out, nice sometimes, actually. <laughs> yeah, check out Varietal if you. Oh, I drink, I drink a shit ton of lagers. Um, the craft lager game, craft breweries are crushing lagers right now. Uh, they're, I, and it's become a viable 
uh, thing to sell. Enough people are buying craft loggers that just uh, in time for summer yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, so it's um, yeah, it's great, good beer, very good beer, uh, very good brewery. Um, if you're you know if you're around uh, tap room and you see varietal on tap, um, I highly suggest checking out whatever whatever it is. Um, and yeah, um, that you might. Um, if you're on the west side of the state or if you're in the valley, um, you might see their cans popping up wherever you like to buy beer just because uh, they've been canning beer for the first time. And I think it's great for me. Um, hopefully they, they're doing okay, but uh, that's what we hope with all the breweries. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, just yeah, support their local brewer, support those local breweries. Uh, they, they, they're selling beer to go and sell all that. So yeah. Um, we don't want them to go away. Uh, that's, that's been my thing. Um, but yeah, so, uh, beer. Um, now how about basketball? Basketball. There's actually not any news. Yeah. It's, 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 it's an, it's an, it's a a non news bit of news, (laughs) right? It's kind of a self-serving bit of news. Like it's, yeah, it, uh, we get to, we get to celebrate our coach a little bit though. So that's cool. It is interesting. So, um, basically, uh, obviously, um, two, four, seven sports evaluated a bunch of guys. They haven't evaluated before, uh, guys that have committed probably but most commonly. And um, usually guys, it's, it's usually guys who have signed with high majors that maybe they didn't evaluate the first time around. And so they're like, well, I guess we should probably do that. So, yeah. So plus they, they got that. a lot of time on their hands right now. Yeah. So, so they had previously, uh, the only player that was evaluated by 247 or any of the major services um, on the four-man recruiting class was Deshaun Jackson, of course, who we've talked about, um, four-star on 247 and uh, three-star uh, top 200 overall, top 200 um, um, when you take all the services, top 150 when you take um, the... Uh, uh, 247 rankings so he's definitely one of the better recruits wc has ever had uh, particularly for a big man um but then uh what we didn't have uh ratings for is tj bomba effa abagidi i'm gonna learn that one eventually and jefferson kulabali um but now they all got they all got three-star rankings um um bomba and effa abagidi some pretty high three-star rankings um and uh, that uh, brought WSU's uh, recruiting class up to seventh on 247 Sports in the Pac-12 and 57th nationally, um, which is uh, about as good as they've had in many years, uh, yeah. probably at least 10 years. Um, okay, so keep talking. I'm going to go back, see how far back this goes. Well, don't – okay, I'm just going to warn you, Jeff, don't bother. Uh, okay. There's, some, there's something wrong with their uh, ranking system. If you go back to the year that like Clay Thompson and Michael Hartoon yeah. um, were both four-star recruits and committed, um, WSU's ranking is like 250th or something. And what then the, the next hell? year they had like Tams and, or, or Thames. I don't want to say Tams, but a- Xavier Thames and, and, a, and, and another, you know, a couple other good guys and, at Brock Modem and, and 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 with that should have been a pretty well regarded class even at the time and it's in the two hundreds or something so I think there's just something broken about how they rate those recruits but I would say it's definitely the best um, probably since uh, <laughs> since those Wait, probably I'm since at that the Xavier Thames class all right so you got Thames as a as a solid four star uh, yeah. 
Brock Modem is basically a four star. And then Anthony Brown is like a high three star and Reggie Moore is like a mid three star and their national rank was two ninety three out but the, of yeah. and the funny three hundred and what, three hundred and forty programs at that point probably. Yeah. And the funny thing is if you scroll through the rankings, there's teams that are ahead of them that had like only two star recruits. And so it's like you know that there's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with Thames's rating is um, you know, very high, top 150 guy and like um yeah, so it's in Modem almost a top 150 recruit. So like that's that's probably, you know, one of the best if not the best. Uh, but well, I but the previous the Thompson and Hart, Hartoon were I think were both top 150 guys and and that was a uh, um probably the what should have been the most highly rated, but yeah. I don't think that one was that highly rated either. Yeah, I mean, um, two four-star kids, two top 100 kids. Yeah, that would have been, would have been. But no, think, it's 229. Yeah, there's something wrong with that. Yeah, something messed uh, up. Yeah, oops. Yeah, you had Capers was top 200. Nick Withrell in there. Uh, yeah, that that didn't work out, but then Casto was the sleeper in there too. Right. Um, we knew we knew he was good. It was more of a, a matter of uh, him, him uh, getting the grades right. But um, yeah, that's probably yeah. the greatest recruiting class. I don't know. I don't. Probably I'm, the next one. I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, in terms of just h- how they were regarded. Um, um, obviously, Clay's the best recruit, and then I think Hartoon is listed as the second best recruit WCU's ever had. So. Um, a lot of that was because he played really well in the state championship game against Kevin Love, I think, uh, but because uh, he didn't turn out to be all that um, no. spectacular. Nope. Um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, that's of course the caveat with these rankings. Um, uh, in, in basketball, more than in like football, um, they're they can be kind of um, on an individual level um, can be uh, you know. Um, wishy-washy because there's just not as many evaluators uh, but at the same time um, one thing that he encourages you about a class like uh, this one that uh, we're bringing in this year is that you have the kind of anchor four-star guy and then you have three solid guys and there isn't really like so those three solid guys that maybe in previous classes would have been the best recruit in the class are now you're you're not having a player like that be the best player on your team. You're having a player on that be a role player or 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 you know maybe a starter, but not the not the primary go to guy or something like that. Right. And so they and they have a chance to develop into a player rather than being thrown into the fire. Um, and so that that's encouraging and it's fun to see their the rankings higher. You know, fifty seven um, is is pretty high for a WSU class, obviously, as we've just said. And it gives you something, as you, as you mentioned, to, to kind of build off of, um, you know, if this team is going to be good year after year or be, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, consistent contender for a, you know, for an NCAA tournament appearance, um, you got to get to a point where you've got, you know, really two or three or four guys of the talent level of, of, of say a Deshaun Jackson. Um, you know, you can, you can get guys and you can develop them and, and, and those things, you know, obviously that's, 
that's good and that's important. Um, you know, it's, you know, it's basically what Tony Bennett did, but, um, on some level you have to have, you know, talented guys at the top. end. I mean, even Tony Bennett had Derek Lowe. I think, I think a lot of people don't realize Derek Lowe was a, you know, a four-star recruit. Like he was a pretty big time recruit. And so, and when he committed to Dick Bennett, that was like, Oh my gosh, like that's amazing. Um, it, it was a really big deal. So, uh, you know, you do have to land some of those guys if you want to be good. The one thing that we know is that, look, re- recruiting is predictive of success. Now, it's it's not, you know, Cougar fans love to say things like, oh, well, look, you know, this guy was a two-star and look at how good, you know, C.J. Allaby, look at how good he is. He was, okay, fine. I mean, you can take a whole bunch of examples, but, you know, we've talked lots of times about how, in general, if you want to be successful or build a successful program, you know, your recruiting has to be at a certain level. And I mean, even Tony Bennett, you know, Tony Bennett was not doing what he did with chopped liver. Like that just wasn't, that just wasn't what he was doing. And then even at the end, you know, I mean, he was recruiting guys. I mean, you know, we were joking about this on Slack today, but you know, if Tony Bennett hadn't left, you would have had a young core of Clay Thompson and Xavier Thames and Brock Modem, (laughs) which is like, (laughs) like, holy shit. Like that would have been, you know, basically, uh, you know, a top 100 guy in Thompson, a top 150 guy in Thames, and then, uh, you know, maybe a top 200 guy in Brock Modem, right? Like, and so that would have been a tremendous core with lots of talent. Uh, So, you know, you do have to have a certain baseline level of talent in order to be as successful as you want to be. And, um, you know, that's all just a really long and roundabout way to say that, you know, Kyle Smith is definitely on that right track. Um, you know, he's looking, he's doing exactly what, you know, I advocated for when, um, you know, when Ken bone was fired and, and Bill Moose was looking for the next coach. I was like, Hey, you know, we need a guy who is going to, you know, look, look at places where he can recruit that, you know, maybe, um, you know, not necessarily hidden guys, but just, you know, expanding the, the range of places where you look for guys. And Kyle Smith is doing that. You know, he's looking internationally. He's, uh, he's looked at transfers. He's, you know, looking at guys who reclassified. So Koulibaly's that kind of guy, right? Like he was originally, the reason why he wasn't really evaluated was he was originally in the, you know, the 2021 class and he reclassified and, um, you know, wanted to, wanted to go straight, you know, basically had nothing left to prove it. <laughs> at his, you know, Canadian, uh, you know, prep school. And so, you know, he, he, he made the move to, to 2020 and, you know, so, so looking for these kind of under the radar guys. And then Jackson's a guy that he was, uh, you know, started to recruit when he was at San Francisco and, you know, he had a little injury his junior year and some people backed off. And then, you know, that, that original investment, um, earlier in his high school career, uh, paid off in the end. So, uh, you know, I love the way this staff hustles. I love what they what they're doing in, in terms of not relying necessarily on one thing. Um, one thing that comes into, you know, stark, stark relief at this point is is just seeing just how damn lazy Ernie Kent was and just how flawed um, his strategy was, if you can call it that. And um, so, yeah, this is this is fun. You know, you can look at this class and think, all right, you know, this this class and and some of the the upper level guys, uh, you know, from last class, I don't know that they're all going to turn out great, but um, you know, you could certainly see that Noah Williams is a good piece, and Markovetsky is a good piece, and I don't know, you can see a foundation. I don't know if it if it translates into uh, an NCAA appearance this year, 
probably if, if that were to be the case, a couple of the guys from this class are probably going to have to come in and be awesome right away, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a possibility, but, um, I'm not counting on that. I, I really think it's, it's 2022 that, um, where maybe you see, and, and I know that, you know, it's, I don't know if windows quite overlap with CJ Ellaby, right? Like maybe we're just looking at one more year of Ellaby. So maybe the windows don't overlap quite right for us, but, um, you know, I, I could honestly, I mean, LB I know keeps keeps testing the waters, and, and of course, there's a chance he doesn't come back this year. But you know, it, uh, he's a guy I could really see sticking around until his senior year. I I just don't know that he's gonna ever get the evaluation that he's wanting to, and I think he's um, he doesn't seem like a guy. And I know I've mentioned this on the show before, but he doesn't seem like a guy who's you know dying to get out of school. Like if the opportunity's right, sure, but. Um, if it never quite presents itself, you know, I could see him being a four-year kid. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about that today, uh, with, um, if you're thinking about, um, the, this year, obviously you're, uh, I, I'm sure that, you know, guys like Bonson and Miller be motivated to do as well as they can this year. But, yep. uh, yep. but if you're, if you're looking, if, if Ellaby is, uh, here for a senior year, you have senior Ellaby, you have a junior Noah Williams, um, you have sophomore Deshaun Jackson, uh, sophomore Bamba, uh, you know, you have juniors and DJ Rodman and, uh, Mark Ovetsky. Um, you, you know, who knows what, um, what Koontz looks like at that point, you know, it's, uh, you definitely can see how that roster could be, uh, a, a challenging for, um, an NCAA tournament bid. Um, cause it'd just be more of a complete roster than we've seen, um, and at WSU, even this year, going into this year, you're already looking at how, um, Smith will have just completely upgraded the roster from top to bottom, um, uh, in, in the span of, uh, one and a half recruiting classes, essentially, you know, like two recruiting cycles, but he got, you know, the back end of one. And, um, just with like, even this year, you, you, you got, uh, Bonton and Miller in there and Noah Williams in there. Uh, th- those are all guys that would not have been here. And then you're having to Sean Jackson and Mark Ovetsky and, and Bamba like that. These are guys that are probably going to play and, and maybe not a lot, maybe Bamba, not so much, but we'll, we'll see how he, how he fares. Uh, but they, um, if we need, you know, a, you know, backup at point and stuff, but, um, cause it rap is in there too. Um, guys take their biggest jump from freshman to, um, sophomore year typically so we could we could see some good things out of rap too but um but yeah it's just uh it's 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 exciting to look at the roster and be like there's potential here man like the the like uh i mean you you at least got to say at this point there's potential for you know an nit run next year yeah i think that's a that's a perfectly reasonable expectation like, well, not expectation. Maybe that's not the right word. Perfectly reasonable thing to think. Yeah, that's attainable. Um, I still don't know if an NCAA tournament berth is there. Um, kind of like I said, I, I feel like the, 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 the overlap maybe like the confluence of events that you need for that to happen might not be there, but you know, it's a, it's a possibility. I mean, you'd obviously need LB to come back. You'd need uh, Bonton to, to take a big step forward for his senior year. Uh, you'd need, you know, some of the freshmen. You need, you know, Williams to really take a big step forward. You need Markovetsky to do the same. And then you'd probably need, like I said, 
um, at least a couple of the freshmen to come in and be pretty awesome right away. So, uh, I mean, is it possible? Sure. I mean, we watched, you know, Tony Bennett. <laughs> so of course, of course, anything's possible, but I, I don't know that I, I expect it as, I, I don't know. I mean, there's maybe like, what, what would you say? Like a 10 to 15% chance of that? Maybe. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, let's uh, you know win a few of the close games and you know don't lose any of the you know don't lose any of them like steal some wins here and there. Um, yeah, it's uh, but we um, we were talk when we were talking to Ken Pomeroy a, a couple weeks ago. Um, he kind of teased that um, if uh, if CJ does come back, uh, WSU would have one of its. Um, highest ratings or ha- would have its highest rating um, since the year that um, Clay uh, Clay's last year. Um, so uh, that would be um, 89th the next year um, after Clay left. Um, but we do have kind of a kind of a preview into that because um, there uh, there is another site. Um, that um, if you read its FAQ, uh, he does uh, defer quite a bit to Ken Pomeroy as kind of the godfather of all of this. And um, but uh, but he uh, he uses similar formulas, but they are in some ways different. And so the rec- the rankings are a little bit different. And his name is Bart Torvik. Um, it's barttorvik.com, B-A-R-T-T-O-R-V-I-K.com. And he actually already has projections up for next year. Um, obviously his projection, um, include all of the players who like have entered the NBA process, but have not, you know, actually left or anything. So like Ellaby is in his projection. Um, but, uh, WSU who finished, I believe, uh, one, they were 127 in Ken Palm's final rankings. And I think they were one. They were 119, I want to say. Let me, let me just pull it up real quick. Um, in these, but they have him. They He has WSU going up to 84 starting for next season. Um, just one slot ahead of Cal at 85, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. They uh, One of the things I love about Bart Tor- so Bart Torvik is also a really great follow on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. He's a yeah. Wisconsin guy, Wisconsin fan. Um, so he's fun on that. Um, one of the things that's super cool that I love about his site is that um, he does not take himself too seriously. So and that's part of for, what for makes sure. him a fun follow on Twitter. And then a lot of what he does on his site is just sort of very good goofball um so if you know okay so there there are a number of strengths about ken pomeroy's site right that um so you and i use it all the time religiously and it doesn't matter what anybody else does we will still give our our 20 dollars right to ken pomeroy um but it 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 has not not but but it's not the right word it it has his site has a very uh very clean uh easy to read professional button down feel to it to some degree, right? It's very, it's very orderly. Um, it's very easy. Once you kind of are familiar with it, it's very easy to digest and, and understand the colors and whatever. And, and, and Bart does some of that, but it's also a little more, it's just a little more disorderly. Um, well, yeah, it's funny he, if, if you go to it, like you could be mistaken 
and think you are at kenpom.com if you just like looked at it real quick because the yeah. colors are very similar yeah and he does use you know green and red to kind of you know indicate and, and darkness you know of the color to indicate strength or whatever but um but what he the other thing he does do though is is he comes up with all these sort of goofy like play measure things he, he tries to quantify things that maybe aren't um you know, the most, so like one of the things Ken talked about with us was, you know, I don't real feel real comfortable including that because I don't really know, you know, that I don't really know how important it is. I don't want people to use it the wrong way. Bart has none of that, right? He's just like, Hey, this might be fun. And so he throws it on his site. And, and so he's got, um, one thing that he's got that, uh, Pomeroy doesn't have is an independent or an individual, um, sort of value metric for a player that tries to, you know, conceptualize and, and quantify their, the entirety of their, um, contribution, which he calls Porpagatu, which is, <laughs> I, I forget what it actually stands Porpagatu for. Porpagatu with an exclamation point And it was exclamation based off point. Of a, yes. It was based off of a Porpag, which was created by some MSU guys. Right. Um, a while back and he just uh he basically added more uh flavor to it right and uh so people who also have followed baseball analytics might have heard of the pythagorean uh method of you know calculating how good a team should be right where you uh, use the basically the pythagorean theorem with run differential um so his his own uh calculation of team so Ken Palm uses uh, efficiency margin, right? So adjusted efficiency and margin. Ken used to use uh, Pythagorean, but I, yeah. um, he doesn't and, anymore. And, and he doesn't anymore. Well, uh, Bart calls his Barthag. Mm-hmm. as that's his that's his rating so anyway it's one of the things i love about it is it's just kind of goofy and he's not afraid to kind of throw a thing out there even if it's not maybe the most um you know analytically rigorous thing he's just like hey take it for what it's worth this is a thing and and uh you know feel free to play around with it so yeah it's it's a cool thing so i would i would totally recommend people who are interested in this sort of thing to go and Go and play around. We're only uh, projected to be, let's see, one spot worse. So you said one spot better than Cal, one spot worse than Arizona State. So for whatever that's worth. Yeah, and uh, but that puts us at 10th um, in the – or, yeah, I think 10th um, in the league. Uh, he, and he does his projections, by the way, with individual – he does individual projections too. So like yeah, that's he's the, got individual player. That's where his comes from. And so Ken talked very specifically about how he doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah. So he's got, um, you know, he's got a uh, 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 like Ken has baked in his formula more like returning minutes, returning production values and stuff. But uh, there's yeah individual. So like you can go look and in, in there and see like he's got. Um, across the board like huge offensive jumps from everyone <laughs> and so it's interesting it turns into uh a wsu who was um uh very bad offensively by ken you know in in the 180s um by ken palm and by him um excuse me <coughs> um la- last year um jumping up to 61 next year and actually taking it back, taking, you know, dropping back a little bit on defense. Um, 
Now, that wouldn't surprise Like, the defensive part doesn't surprise me because a model would probably look at WSC's defensive season last year and be like, well, that's not supposed to happen. Like, that's an anomaly. They, you can't, like, they're, like, that's the based on you know pre you know history and, and and roster like that they weren't supposed to be that good at defense but obviously a coaching factor is in there but um, the interesting right. part especially is the with offense. the really poor two point defense I, I imagine is a big yeah. part of that yeah uh, yeah it was uh, it was not a you know it didn't seem as predictive but uh, but yeah so they've got um, uh, WSU sixty first offensively so that'd be a real fun offensive season to make take that quite a step I, I don't know if I expect. Um, that big of a, of a jump. Um, but, uh, Jeff, you and I were talking about obviously the, the most famous year of a jump, uh, recently it was, uh, um, um, from the, the 0506 to the 0607, they took a similar jump actually in reality, um, uh, in terms of offensive efficiency, uh, all those, you know, all the Kyle Weaver, Derek Lowe squad just, um, went from being a, a objectively horrible, like worse, way worse than last year, um, uh, offensive team to being a legitimately good defense offensive team. So um, maybe maybe that that could be in the cards for next year. I don't know. It you know it could be, and and if anything is is sort of encouraging about this, I I kind of love the fact that maybe the metrics think the defense is you know was perhaps overvalued or overrated. Maybe is going to take a step back. There is no. If you gave me a, a a bet, you know, if you if you were like, hey, would you like to place a bet on whether the defense improves or gets worse from this year to next? There's, I mean, I'd be like, yo, put my house on the fact that it's better. Like, like if there's one thing, I'm 100% confident of it's that the that the defense will be better. How much better, I don't know, but it will be better after a year of of you know being under Kyle Smith and everything that he does. And we know that Kyle Smith historically has really good defenses um, with just the returning minutes that they've got. I, I like, I cannot envision a scenario where the defense is worse. Like, like I just like that would absolutely blow my mind if somehow the defense was worse. So, um, so the fact that the defense is being projected is not taking a big step forward. Uh, I think that actually bodes really, really well because I think the defense will take another pretty significant step forward. And then if the offense can jump way, way forward, then, um, you know, that's, that's even better. So, um, I know Torvik's predicting here an 18 and 13 overall record and a seven and 11 record in the pac 12. And, you know, if you're talking NIT, that's, that's a pretty squarely NIT, uh, you know, type record. I do find the, uh, the far right, um, uh, column that uh, expected loss percentage of an elite team against non-conference slate. Um, this to kind of give you an indication of how bad how uh, bad WSU's non-conference schedule is. So the expected win loss of an elite team against theirs loss percentage is ten percent, um, uh, while against Arizona State's is twenty two percent and Cal is nineteen percent. So basically, you're you're expecting twice as many losses of, from an elite team. Um, for uh, Cal and Arizona State's uh, uh, non-conference schedule versus WSU, so which is like you know roughly one or two um, losses, but still it's uh, uh, that that's the one thing that could hold them back. You know, if 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 depending on what the eighteen wins and the seven wins are, um, if they would be an NIT team or not. But eighteen and thirteen sounds you know 
that I, I think that would that that would be a, a sufficient number of wins to build some uh, real uh, uh, you know fan excitement around the program. They haven't announced next year's schedule yet, so I'm guessing that maybe goes off of you know just kind of historically last year's schedule. Yeah, what they but do, I, but I don't know. Like yeah. I'm, I, I I wouldn't expect. Uh, I wouldn't expect. Uh, I don't know. I guess maybe um, we could have um, gotten some ones. I'm sure there are some still leftover agreements. Um, maybe, but it, we'll see. Um, I don't know if you were if you were uh, if you were Smith um, and put and Smith and, and and the basketball program putting together the schedule. What would you do? Would what would you be? Looking well, I'd to play that? Gonzaga first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no well, Jeff that's that's not gonna happen uh <laughs> wait are you saying are you because I get scared is what that is well they probably at this point um scared I mean if you're projecting WSU to be a top 100 team there's no reason anymore like what what reason does Gonzaga not have to like it's not right? bad for their it's not bad right? for their uh RPI or whatever whatever the new thing and it's not right it it, it like it's actually if you win, it's a legitimate win. If you lose, it doesn't hurt you that bad. Like so, right. like and it it still boosts your schedule regardless. Right. Um. So, um. You can say that we're just this shitty program, but you know, now uh, we got a legitimate coach and legitimate staff, and uh, who's already. If you think about the the from finishing, um, two thousand finishing uh, Ernie Kent's last season. In 207th on Kempom to being projected probably on Kempom in the mid 80s to start Smith's second season. Uh, that's quite a big leap um, into kind of relevancy. Once you, I feel like once you as a um, as a as a major conference program, you gotta live in that top 100. Like it, you're you're really failing if you're if you're consist- consistently outside of that. Right. Then you're not where you need to be. Like. To power five programs should be or power you should six. be in the top 100 you automatically should be yeah every like year. you should never yeah. fall outside that well and that's the type when we're talking going back to the recruiting class like this type of recruiting class is the type of recruiting class that if you're getting year in and year out you're going to stay in the top 100 just based on talent alone and and, and especially considering we have you know a, a, a talented coaching staff as well yep yep so I uh, I don't know. Like I would probably see WSU has maybe a little harder time with the schedule because um, you know they're not a number. So college basketball is in trending away from you know big home and home matchups between powerful teams. Um, they've been trending more toward teams playing in uh, you know playing in these neutral site tournaments right so last year what they what they go cayman islands last year right um for their tournament and you know in years past have gone to hawaii or whatever um right. so college basketball has really been moving toward that that kind of environment for teams to play um you know other sort of maybe higher profile teams so you know and wc's always been at a disadvantage right for scheduling you know interesting non-conference games i mean i I mean, I went to the game against Kansas State, whatever that was, like you know, eight years ago, or you know, something like that, right? So, was that when Clay was there. No, that was that was Ken. Uh, yeah, 
Maybe it, I don't even remember, man. It was. It was, it was, it was the year that Apple right? Cut was. So it was the year after Clay left. Yes. I want to say because it was. I think that's right. Or maybe it was the was it the 2012 Apple Cup like I, the night I before? I think that's so what it was. It was. Two, two, the second season after Clay left. So yeah. Anyway, it's. Um, um, I remember going to that and. Yeah, super exciting, you know. But well, that was I, a that was a Pac-10 Big Twelve uh, agreement. Yes. Is the only reason that I think happened. so. I yeah, think it, so. Was. it was. So. I'm pretty sure it was. It was like yeah. a it was like a series they were doing. Yeah, we need so. I don't know that there's a whole lot different they can do with the schedule unless they're gonna go play, you know, like basically agree to go play someone on the road that is tough. Um, right, which you know might not be a bad idea. You know, maybe you go play. Maybe maybe um, you go play Oklahoma State. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let's not do that again. But uh, you know, I yeah. So it it's. I think you're probably traditionally going to have a weaker schedule because you've got, um, you know, you've got to be able to get teams that want to come to Pullman, and those are typically going to be weaker teams. They're going to take any you know, paycheck they can take, um, you know, a lot of those teams will be, you know, making sort of a, um, they'll be, they'll be doing a little bit of a you know, tour, right. Where they'll play. Sometimes you'll see a team will play us and then play Gonzaga or the other way around mm-hmm. and, um, try to make their money. And then maybe hit way. up so, Seattle U or something. Yeah. Like almost a little bit of a barnstorming type, type tour. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm okay with the week non-conference and, you know, hopefully they play, somebody interesting in a in a you know in a tournament and you know maybe we get to a point where you know we can get gonzaga to not be scared of us anymore or or think we're good enough yeah no it's that's not the issue anymore like like it's they know the issue is that they they don't want to give us any kind of foothold at all like that's that's it you don't want those fans that are gonzaga fans to suddenly be like oh uh the WSU basketball team is good now. Yeah. So, I mean, look, yeah. Gonzaga is not worried about Washington because, you know, I mean, uh, Hopkins is doing most of his recruiting back east. Like, it's not – he's he's rely, he's recruiting nationally. He's not recruiting Washington. They're not recruiting the same kinds of guys. Gonzaga, on the other hand, look at the guys we're recruiting. We're recruiting the kinds of guys that Gonzaga doesn't re- necessarily recruit anymore, but – similar kind of guys, international guys, and maybe, you know, under the radar guys like, yeah, Gonzaga wants none of WSU getting better at all. They don't even yeah. want to give them a chance. I want all of WSU getting better. I want yeah. all of it. I want Mark good few knows just again. how good of a coach Kyle Smith is. And he I wants want, no part of that. Yeah. I want, I want this good basketball, uh, on uh, the Kook Center Hour, they they had a, a basketball memory um, about the uh, 2007 Arizona game, which you should go listen to. Um, but it but like it just brought me back to like good basketball was a blast, and I want that again. You know, we got those little tastes of it this year with the Clay game and the Oregon game and the, and the Pac-12 tournament game and, and a few other games like where you're just like, oh man, like. We're, we can punch people again. Uh, we're, we're not just like this hapless waiting for some random um, random shooting night. You know, it's like now uh, they, they, uh, it seems like next year they'll, they'll be at that level where um, most teams, you know, they're, they should be able to contend with most teams in the conference and not have these, you know, throwaway games and stuff. And so um, that, that's going to be fun again to have, you know, 
especially from us from an analysis standpoint, right? <laughs> like just to, yep. you know, like the, the percentages on Kempom.com won't, won't always, you won't have these like 1% games and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I'm excited for it. Um, I, I really, you know, obviously we're hoping and hoping against hope that LAB comes back because, um, you know, next year could be a big step forward. And, 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 uh, after that we could, we could see some big jumps. I really, um, it, we were kind of like unsure about um, whether Kyle Smith, you know, we knew he was a good coach, but, you know, obviously he hadn't coached at a big place. Um, and uh, we didn't know, we don't know if he can like, you know, take a team. He's never taken a team to the NCAA tournament, obviously, but he's been to, so he's, he's at some places that were very tough to do that. Um, but he is again, of course. And, and, but uh, just this, this type of recruit, the type of talent he's bringing in, the roster he's building, um, and just obviously we've talked extensively to uh, uh, John from his coaching staff and um, and we've heard from him a bunch that we just we know he's a good coach. So if he does have those players, it just seems inevitable that they will be successful. Yep. We've we've seen him develop guys. We know what he can do with that. So it's uh, it's exciting to see the baseline from which he's going to be starting. Right. You know, you take and I think that's kind of what you were alluding to earlier is. You know, look at these guys, they're all, you know, solid to, you know, mid to upper three-star guys. And then you got one, you know, four-star kid mixed in. Um, you already know what he can do developing. So if that's the baseline and you get those kids to develop, um, you know, watch out. I'm hyped. Um, hyped. I love basketball. Cook Center is a basketball blog. Don't let anyone tell you different. <laughs> uh, and this is a basketball podcast. Don't let anyone except for it. that kick-ass run and shoot breakdown that Jesse did today. Oh yeah, definitely. My goodness, um, definitely read that. Um, go on Cook Center. You got nothing. That was else a nice surprise. I didn't know that was coming. Yeah, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse's. A I fun, run the place. I had no idea. He's a fun writer to read too, um, and uh, I, I like his I like his way of writing and um, uh, and just wow, just. Uh, in depth, thousands of words, <laughs> learning about one type of route, basically <laughs> in a in, in the run and shoot. So I I uh, I highly recommend uh, reading that. And it's uh, what if he if if he delivers on what he promises, which I assume he will. Uh, it's just going to be one of a of an X number series of learning the run and shoot, um, which will be a fun uh, a fun resource to have on our website. Yep. Yep, we'll uh, we'll do it big. I know that Brian Anderson's got something in the works too, uh, if he finishes it. <laughs> Maybe he's listening all the way to the end. I don't know. I'll find yeah. out later. That'll yeah. be pretty funny. But I've seen it. Yeah, it just Brian. needs some. Uh, he was doing a little massaging on it, and uh, apparently not done massaging it. So, but it'll be awesome when it comes out. I'm telling you that. It'll be a happy ending. Yeah. I see what you did there. Yeah, thank you. With the massage and yeah, yeah, good job. Yeah. Seems like a good place to uh, to uh, do the plugs. Uh, it does. Well, yeah. Um, well, uh, you uh, should subscribe if you are listening to this. If this is like the first time you've listened, then welcome. Um, you Sorry. go back and go back and listen two episodes ago, please. Um, <laughs> uh but hit subscribe um rate us five stars that helps people find us uh, leave a comment people like to read them 
um, tell them about how much you love hearing about me trying to potty train my daughter. Um, I know you do. Um, uh, send us an email if you got any comments, questions, want to guess how many beers are in my beer cellar at pod versus everyone at gmail.com. You could send me a guess to at the Craig Powers or a guess to Jeff at pod versus everyone too on Twitter. Uh, if, if you are curious, I've been drinking through my cellar. Um, I've been posting them on my Instagram stories, so you can't really catch up on them, but uh, I'm going to continue doing so. You can just see every beer that I'm drinking <laughs> on my Instagram story. Um, and don't worry, I'm fine. Uh, I got my, uh, my <laughs> got Amanda splitting all the beers with me. Um, so um, I'll survive. Uh, but yeah, that's how I'm doing my quarantine. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, um, I guess, I guess that's it. That's all. And go Cougs. Go Cougs.